circle, yes, we rotate 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high, Welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Media Apprenticeship Program. I'm Vika Aronson, one of your hosts for the evening, and tonight we're pleased to bring you a whole hour of philosophy. We'll be asking, is ignorance really bliss or is it dangerous? Is knowledge really power or is it a burden and too hard to achieve in all kinds of situations? Is it irrelevant? Yes, a whole hour of philosophizing with the two of us right here on Full Circle. I'm Vika Aronson. And I'm JC. Plus, we've got a very special guest, Professor Emeritus of Philosophy from Michigan State University and the Bay Area's own Mills College in Oakland, Martin Benjamin, joins us in studio for a discussion in the latter part of the show. We'll ask the tough ethical questions this hour, and you can just sit back, ponder, scratch your metaphorical or literal beard, and enjoy. You're listening to Full Circle. Stay tuned. Tonight we're talking philosophy. We're thinking about what is ignorance? Is ignorance problematic and how does it play into our decision making? And frankly, does ignorance make us an accomplice to bad deeds that we're ignorant of? I'm one of your hosts for this evening, J.C. Howard. And I'm your other host, Vika Aronson. Tonight, I'm going to kind of be taking the position, as I kind of think, that ignorance is bliss. I mean, uh, Vika and I have been talking about it offline a little bit, and I think that ignorance is indeed bliss. There's an old saying that you can never really understand someone else's experience until you've walked a mile in their shoes. And honestly, that saying is true, and it's used as a way to teach people to develop empathy and While empathy is a noble virtue, Vika, it's not the path to bliss, I would say. Ignorance is bliss. I don't mean to say that if your best friend doesn't want to have chicken when you go to dinner with her because she says she had it for lunch, you shouldn't take it into account because in that case, knowledge of her day is helpful. But what I'm saying is if you have a bad day because your boss is a jerk and your best friend tells you that he wants to propose to his girlfriend, true empathy will compel you to allow him to have this moment and remain ignorant of your bad day. What I'm saying, I guess, is his ignorance of your life makes him more blissful in this case and thus makes you more noble for allowing him this bliss. Think of it this way. We all know how we got here, right? I mean, we were conceived by our parents. Not a pretty thought. But it's certainly more blissful to ignore that fact and remain, as it were, ignorant. Or let's say your husband or wife has a crush on Katy Perry or uh, Chris Pratt or something, and they have explicit dreams about him. I mean, hearing about that anecdotally, that might be just fine, and but hearing about all the explicit details of their illicit tryst could indeed prove hurtful. This pain, of course, is unnecessary, so we hide these details from our significant other to spare their feelings. There's nothing to that crush, right? And even if there were, what are the odds that they'll actually be able to follow through on a crush with Katy Perry or Chris Pratt? I mean, you can even find this idea in pop culture, right? With the concept of the Debbie Debbie Downer. 
uh, that was an old turn of phrase that sort of morphed into a hilarious sketch on Saturday Night Live, SNL. It's a kind of frumpy-looking Rachel Dratch who would share some random fact about feline AIDS or some other depressing current events. Nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Sure, she was informing them, but sharing unnecessary pain is unhelpful. Some of the depressing current events and facts of our world are unavoidable and honestly unchangeable, so it does little other than to cause pain to be informed. And that's why allowing ignorance is actually empathetic. Okay, well... Points well delivered, but not well taken, JC. So, for instance, sure, there's the Debbie Downer. I know exactly what you mean. And it's comedic. It's funny. And that's because it's true. There's truth in every joke. And it's funny to think of, you know, feline Ains and how we've all been in that situation. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be aware of what's going on in the world. I would say that knowing what's going on in the world is is highly more valuable and more noble than avoiding being the Debbie Downer or making fun of the Debbie Downer. And also, how can you have that joke about the feline aids if you don't know about the feline aids? So you have to have the knowledge first, and then you can make a joke. And then at that point, you can decide if you want to make light of the situation or not. And, and, and the truth and the knowledge, right? And then as far as the, the Katy Perry example and the Chris Pratt, I mean, how how far can you take this, though? Like, sure, you don't want to hear about a dream that your partner may have had about this celebrity, and sure, they might not be able to act on it, but how how far should ignorance take you? Does that mean that you, should, you shouldn't you should know that your partner has feelings about somebody who, you know, maybe a coworker or somebody they see every day? How can you, how far can you take this? I think that we need information and we need knowledge, especially around um, intimate relationships. So I don't think you're, I mean, are, I don't think you're advocating for no knowledge and no sharing of information when it comes to our relationships, right? Well, no, not no knowledge at all. I mean, I certainly do think that zero Zero knowledge would be pretty, uh, pretty hectic. But I mean, I guess I want to know, what do you think about ignorance then? Well, I, I'm going to say that I think knowledge is power. And so what does that mean for ignorance then? Is Does that make ignorance weakness? Ignorance will make you falter. I think that's true. But ignorance does even more than just that. It goes beyond that. Ignorance is dangerous. For instance, if a sailor steps out onto his porch, looks up at the sky, and says, what a beautiful clear day, a beautiful clear sky, steady winds, and he decides to go out sailing that day without listening to the forecast. In reality, he goes out onto the waters and a storm hits, and the sailor gets caught in the storm and gets hurt or even dies. Ignorance is dangerous. Consider all those instances also of dramatic irony in theater, film, and even television where you're watching and you're holding your breath wishing Romeo just knew that Juliet wasn't dead, that she had taken a potion that put her to sleep. If only he knew he wouldn't have killed himself and then she wouldn't have woken up and found him dead and taken her, her own life. Knowledge would have saved him. It would have saved them both. But instead, ignorance took both of their lives. Ignorance kills. <laughs> I know. But seriously. Yeah, let's, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I know that's kind of a silly example. But seriously, let's take a look at a more, a more <laughs> grave example. Because trust me, there are plenty. 
Knowledge gives us tips and information on terrorist threats and active shooter threats. Without the knowledge and information, we'd be more vulnerable to attack. It applies to politics, too. What if we hadn't discovered that Rod Blagojevich was attempting to sell Obama's Senate seat, Blagojevich would likely still be conducting pay-to-play schemes from his seat as Illinois governor. His, constitu- his constituents would be living in ignorance and continue giving him their support. And then there's a historical argument also that ignorance is dangerous. Think about individuals and organizations that even to this day deny that the Holocaust happened and attempt to write it out of history. Knowledge itself is powerful. And that is why when the triumph of the Allied powers was imminent in Germany um, at, at, at the time of World War II, Germany and France, both of them, put a great deal of effort into destroying evidence of the Holocaust. For, uh, for Germany, it was the mass extermination. And for France, it was their massive archive of Jewish arrest and deportation. Knowledge is so powerful that it would incriminate them. And by the same token, ignorance is so powerfully dangerous that Holocaust denial is illegal in 16 countries and punishable in all EU states. That's not knowledge and ignorance for you. Two extremely powerful tools on opposite sides of the coin. Ignorance is dangerous. It just is. I see. You make some good points, and especially in this is Holocaust Remembrance Week. Uh, but but consider that we found out ab- about the Blagojevich gimmick. You were talking about that. Consider we found out that by wiretapping, and the same with much of terrorism. That doesn't really fall into the realm of ignorance, does it? Those are things that we're not ignoring per se, so much as we're just honestly unaware. We're talking about seeking knowledge or embracing ignorance as a, as a citizenry. I mean, none of Blagojevich or the military information would be available to most of us. As a matter of fact, who's to say how much of the shady information around politics is even out there and accessible for us to find? And how much of it do we really need to know? And how much of it actually affects our ability to make decisions? And I think there's a difference between illegal activity and immoral activity, right? I mean, Blagojevich, though his actions weren't actually dangerous, because you're saying, you know, ignorance is dangerous. His actions weren't actually dangerous, but never mind that. His actions were illegal. So great, arrest him. That's fine. But if we found out that the Warriors player Steph Curry was cheating on his wife, does that make him any less of NBA's most valuable player? Maybe ignorance as a larger nation is dangerous, sure, but outside of plays and movies, personal ignorance is certainly better. I mean, talking about Steph Curry, I think actually ignorance is inspirational. We do much better to only know some parts of our heroes than to know all about them. Take the recent sexual assault allegations of Bill Cosby, for instance. Cosby was a hilarious comedian and producer of extremely wholesome family programming in The Cosby Show and Fat Albert and Ghost Dad and many other TV shows and movies. I mean, seeing his comedy or watching any of his shows or movies has certainly inspired many comedians and actors for generations. But now, with these recent accusations surfacing, Cosby is hardly an appropriate role model. Many networks are refusing to play his reruns of of The Cosby Show and other shows that he produced. But the allegations didn't change any of his comedy, or his community service, or his brilliant work, or frankly, the alleged despicable acts. The only thing that changed was what we knew. Our ignorance allowed him to continue to be a role model and inspiration, and I'm not sure that was a problem. I mean, are we any worse off because of it? I mean, think about entertainers like Mel Gibson, or Woody Allen, or the late Michael Jackson. 
or sports stars like O.J. Simpson or Lance Armstrong, South Africa's Oscar Pistorius, the late Joe Paterno, even, even the fictional author Peter Van Houten in the John Green novel, The Fault in Our Stars. They were all heroic individuals who had done impressive and inspirational things, but they also failed in some kind of way. They failed us. Are our other heroes somehow impervious to failure or immorality or vices? No, they're not impervious to it. We just haven't found their flaws yet, and we ought to be glad that we haven't. The worst thing that could happen is that we actually meet our heroes and strip away the thin veneer that's protecting them. We can laugh at old Bill Cosby routines or dance to Michael Jackson's music or watch back Oscar Pistorius or Lance Armstrong tapes and still feel inspiration. For instance, the fact that Bill Co- or sorry, Bill Clinton, I should say, wasn't faithful to his spouse doesn't make the fact that he that we had a surplus under his administration, it doesn't make that invalid. Their personal life and or mistakes shouldn't influence the work that they accomplished, and it should certainly wouldn't if we remained in ignorance. And that's all true. I mean, not the remaining in ignorance part, but it's all true that inspiration is important. And we think about the role models that we are, you know, holding up to this high esteem and the people that we really consider as role models and what they've all done in their lives. And I think it's important for us to inform ourselves on every aspect of these people's lives, especially if we want them to rule our country or be on television and be, you know, for their images to display all over television in front of children and other impressionable people. I think that's all really important, but I think what you're missing and really underestimating is our ability as humans to see the complexity of humans and the human experience. We can hold many different things when it comes to observing people. We can hold both the idea that Bill Clinton, you know, engaged in in, in infidelitous um, activity, you know, that he did some unethical things in his own personal life and the fact that he did good things for our economy and for our society. We can, you know, we can admire Bill Cosby for his contributions to entertainment and also understand what he did behind closed doors and hold both things and understand those things. I think that that is the complexity of the human experience and that is understanding human nature and how it all works. I think that's important for us to understand. So I think knowledge can bring us to that understanding of complexity of the human experience. Furthermore, like like I said already, ignorance is dangerous. But beyond that, I think ignorance also makes us an accomplice to the bad things that we are ignorant of. If you're ignorant to bad things going on in your own backyard and you don't do anything to stop it, can you just plead ignorance and get off scot-free? I don't think that's right. Or should you be held accountable for not investigating further? Would say ignorance, um, or rather, uh, ignorance can easily graduate to complicity in just a few steps. Ignorance becomes apathy, apathy, neglect, and then complicity. It's not a far cry. Consider, for instance, a mayor who allows fracking into her own town, into her town. She hears about the dangers of the practice and how it might contaminate the town's water. But in the first round of water and air pollution tests, nothing toxic shows up. Then she decides, oh, well, better I just don't further check any of the results, any test results. Keeping the rich and powerful of the gas business happy, she says, is more important than the water contamination in my town. So she decides she'll just stay out of the test result business. (laughs) Ignorance is bliss, she might even say. Mm. So there we have ignorance and already some apathy. Then people in the town start getting sick. Sound familiar? I bet it does to the people of Flint, Michigan. Mm. 
They try to look back at the water quality tests. The tests are nowhere to be found because the mayor neglected the tests. No one's been tracking it for months. Neglect. They test the water now contaminated. People are sick, and the mayor has embraced ignorance the whole time. Complicity. That's your gradual decline from ignorance to complicity. There's also a school of thought that contends that there is a premeditated sort of ignorance. This argument says that a certain kind of ignorance is in itself complicity. Contemporary philosopher Charles W. Mills talks about what he calls white ignorance in America. He argues that white supremacy perpetuates ignorance to misrepresent the world as it really is. Get this. He writes about what he calls the racial contract, a covert agreement among white people to not know, essentially keep themselves in ignorance about the true reality of the world and to instead perpetuate the reality that benefits them, which is white superiority. Mills uses the example of color of the color blindness campaign. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, this idea that, you know, we shouldn't think about the color of everybody's skin and treat everybody the same. I've heard of it. Mills suggests that this colorblindness theory is just another tactic to keep society in ignorance and keep this story of white superiority alive. So how does that all work, right? He says that thinking of white white people as colorless and equal to non-white groups erases the history of ill-gotten power and privilege that white people have obtained in this country in, in, in history. It perpetuates ignorance. And in it, we are all complicit. Well, and see, that's where the philosophical idea of rational ignorance comes in. It was a coin termed by economist Anthony Downs in his treatise on political science entitled An Economic Theory of Democracy, the rational, the-, the rational Ignorance Theory. The idea behind rational ignorance is basically that it often makes more sense to refrain from educating yourself if the cost exceeds the benefit. That is, if I'm second in command to a person committing crimes against humanity and stand idly by while atrocities are committed with hopes to take down the regime from the inside, it's more rational and beneficial to turn a blind eye to smaller offenses in hopes to stop the larger one. I mean, that's the entire idea behind a spy, right? Observe and report. Don't act on it. Plus, think of the sheer volume of things that I would have to inform myself on. Politics, food, world events, current events, personal lives of celebrities that I like, the criminal records and integrity of all my sports heroes. That's a lot. Imagine the dossier that I would have to keep on all issues and people that I find exceptional or entertaining. That's pretty ludicrous to me. Okay, well, I guess you just don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Well, right. Well, good thing that we're moving on now because we have so much more to share with you in the show. And you do make a good argument, but there's just no way. There's no way that I'm going to sign on to minimize the damage that ignorance causes. And you'll hear more about that, dear listeners. This is Full Circle on 94.1 FM, where we are talking about the nature of ignorance, blissful or harmful. Let's take a short musical break, and when we return, we sit down with Professor Emeritus of Philosophy, Martin Benjamin.
You're listening to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM, where you just heard Charlie Darwin by The Low Anthem. Charles Darwin, the song's namesake, once said, Ignorance more frequently begets confidence than does knowledge. It is those who know much who so positively assert that this or that problem will never be solved by science. This is uh, kind of my perspective that we're talking about tonight. We're talking philosophy, and the subject is ignorance. Is it problematic? Does it ever lead to virtue? Or does ignorance invariably make us an accomplice to bad deeds that we're ignorant of? And we're joined in studio by a very special guest, Martin Benjamin, Professor Emeritus of Philosophy, who taught the subject for 35 years at Michigan State University and, and then moved to the West Coast to be a close-by grandfather. Um, and he continued teaching philosophy at Mills College. He was there for eight years as a visiting professor. And we are so glad to have you, Dr. Benjamin, tonight on Full Circle. Thank you. Thank you. you. Glad to be here. Um, Dr. Benjamin, so we're in the thick of primary season. Uh, the Iowa caucus is taking place this coming Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when it comes to politics, I guess the first question when we're talking about ignorance and, and all the, these kinds of things, should we ignore the downfalls of a candidate with whom we agree on a majority of issues? Um, can I ask you what you mean by a downfall? Um, yeah, well, it, it, yeah, sure, because it may not be necessarily a moral downfall or anything like that. But, for instance, um, there are a lot of people, especially here in this area, who might be supporting uh, Hillary Clinton for, 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 uh, in, in her running for president. Um, and there's obviously been a lot of talk about the emails. And, and we've, heard, we've heard a lot of talk about the emails, and there could have been some shady stuff going on around that. Mm. So should we ignore things like that because we agree with her on policy? Or, 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 or do we have or should we take a stand against the whole thing, baby in the bathwater situation? Well, uh I think there are some things that are worth taking into account. I don't know how much final weight they come. Uh, emails personally don't bother me. <laughs> Huge speaking fees do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that somebody puts such a premium on making millions and millions and millions of dollars, and not only making the money, but taking the money from Wall Street banks. Right. When what was Wall Street banks who led to the Great Recession, yeah. that is troubling. And I think that is something that one ought to bring into one's reflection. Sure. So that makes me think then that we have a responsibility to know everything we can about our candidates then, well, right? Isn't that uh, well, well, kind of what ethics compels us to do yeah, in that I'd in say that everything we can, know everything we can, that's relevant. I don't want to know about and don't care about her sex life. Right. Or her husband's sex life directly. But I think I'd rather have a leader who's more like Jerry Brown, who's <laughs> a skinflint, sure, the and ad. who lives low on the hog, yeah. than somebody who feels they need a lot of money to live high on the hog. Sure. So when it, when it comes to ignorance, then in, in that case, we should probably ignore then uh, when it comes to like things like you said, their personal life and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. I don't think you can make a blanket statement about ignorance one way or the other. Right. I mm. think in some cases, ignorance is a bad thing. Yeah. In other things, I think ignorance is not necessarily a bad thing. And I can, can I give a couple of examples? Please, yeah. A couple of medical examples. Yeah. Uh, Woody Guthrie, as you know, died from Huntington's chorea, uh, an awful disease. 
and his biological descendants each have a 50% chance of contracting this as adults. Mm-hmm. We can now genetically test them to see whether or not the gene is going to manifest itself. Well, a lot of people say, I don't want the test. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know at age 20 whether at age 40 I am going to degenerate in this way. That seems to me like an entirely reasonable position. Right, really. One that I feel more personally. Mm -hmm. I have refused for years a PSA test for prostate cancer because the PSA test often gives misleading results Mm -hmm. and people undergo Mm -hmm. lots of agony and worry that is unnecessary. Even worse, they undertake surgery for prostate cancer that has many bad side effects and this is prostate cancer that wouldn't have killed them if they had been ignorant of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that that those are those are great examples and I'm glad that you brought them up. But I also think about how in even in the medical field since that's what we're talking about there are ways that um, doctors and other medical professionals could be considered negligent um, in not informing patients oh, and yes. um, not providing them the quote-unquote knowledge or leaving them ignorant and things like that of their medical condition. Um, there must be examples like that, and we can't overlook that oh, kind I, of ignorance. I fully agree. And actually, in the majority of the cases, your position is correct. We have the doctrine now of informed consent. Right. Strictly speaking, A doctor can do nothing to you without adequately informing you of what's being done, why, what the likely consequences and costs are. We have some horrible examples of cases where people were denied adequate information. The best example, the worst, I mean, it's a terrible thing, are the Tuskegee syphilis studies Mm. where black men in Tuskegee, Alabama, in a study conducted by the U.S. Health public health service for years were not told that they had syphilis and they were not treated. They were just observed. They were told merely that they had, quote, bad blood Uh, and were ignorant and were deliberately kept ignorant in order to keep them in the experiment. Yeah. Well, I can I can certainly see that that uh, I'm not completely convinced that ignorance is is entirely a bad thing, but I can certainly see from from especially those examples how ignorance um, could be could certainly be harmful. Um, I believe Vika has a question around food ethics. Yeah, this is an area of interest for you, um, mm-hmm. as I found out earlier. So I'm wondering. Given the the sheer the, the knowledge, we have a lot of knowledge now around the way that animals are treated in factory farms, uh, which are which are numerous and many and many many around the country, providing food to very many grocery stores, large chains, um, and the chemicals that manufacture that food uh, producers and farmers use. Um, in their livestock, hormones, and then also the the pesticides that these animals consume um, in their feed. So with the knowledge that we have around this issue, do we have a responsibility as consumers to continue to educate and inform ourselves about that? To me, it seems like 
again, ethics compels us to kind of look into the dark corners of the mm. world and society to shed light on what's going on because this is not an issue, livestock and farming, agriculture. These aren't issues that are clear to us and in um, always in our frame of mind, always in the front of our of our view. So do, does ethics compel us to well, learn about these yeah. issues? I mean, uh, let's just take factory farming and the pain and suffering that has caused non-human animals in order to get more meat on the table more quickly with greater profits and less expense for us. When I first learned about this, when I was a kid, I thought animals grew up on old McDonald's farm. Right, my, right. The books, they're all <laughs> prancing around. That's not the way it is. Right. There's a reason that the state of Iowa made it illegal to take photographs or videos of what goes on in factory wow. farms. Mm -hmm. You go on YouTube and take a look at what factory farms are like, and you're going to have a hard time eating your steak at dinner yeah. or your hamburger. So forced ignorance in Iowa. Right, right. Right. They don't, we don't, mm -hmm. they don't want to let people know. Well, I learned about this in 1975 when I read a book by mm -hmm. the Princeton philosopher Peter Singer called Animal Liberation. And as soon as my wife and I read that book, we're old boycotters. In the <laughs> old days, we boycotted lettuce to support <laughs> Cesar yeah. Chavez. Right, yeah. We boycotted Gallo wine. Yeah. We boycotted yeah. Nestle when they learned what they were doing selling infant formula to poor people in Africa mm -hmm. who had yeah. mixed it with polluted water and their babies died. Wow. Right. Okay. So when we read this, we felt compelled to boycott factory farming yeah. and factory farm meat because we would otherwise be complicit in this system. It's the appetite for more meat at less cost that drives factory farming. And so as soon as one loses one's ignorance, one loses one's innocence. Right. And one mm. becomes responsible. But I do have a question uh, because when it comes to factory farms and things like that, and I, I, I certainly understand that, but uh, my question is because we need food to survive, is, is there – a sense that our ignorance, in a sense, like since since food is necessary to keep us alive, is there kind of a, a sense of survival that, that, that is related to that ignorance? Not, not for people mm. like you and me who are reasonably mm. educated right. because one can have a perfectly adequate, perfectly nutritionally adequate diet without eating meat. Read an old book that we old hippies used to look at, <laughs> Diet for a Small planet. Like mm. Francis Moore LePay will tell you about that. Now, here's a problem. It costs more right. to eat well like this, and it's hard for very poor people to do it. Right. So I'm not going to come down heavy on poor people or pe poor people or people who haven't had the opportunity to learn what you and I can learn yeah. about the reality of factory farming. Right. But just because they are off the hook in this regard. It doesn't mean that you and I are. Yeah, and, and you bring up a good point. How does access to information impact this? I mean, that's great. I mean, yeah. you know, some people don't actually even have access to information. You you spoke earlier about the Tuskegee. Uh, what what was syphilis it? Syphilis studies. Yeah, the Tuskegee syphilis study studies. Um, if these people didn't have access even for right. to the, to that information, and and even the poor people yeah. who who you know, how how. 
How does that impact this whole thing? Well, I think I think the uh, implication is that there's an obligation to acquire knowledge, especially in this complicated world, to see what the consequences of your own actions are and what the consequences are of the institutions and practices you support. Our actions have all kinds of consequences, Mm -hmm. and we ought to learn as much as we can about what sorts of things we're implicated in and what the consequences are. Agreed, Dr. Benjamin. Yeah, I think that when it comes to um, your personal access and abilities, I think we all know the kind of systems and institutions that we contribute to most, and at least for those, you know, and in the ways that we are, uh, you know, consumers. So food is a, is a big one. But if there aren't ways that you can access the information, I think that's a different, that, that maybe is slightly a different story. But I still main, but you can still think about the other institutions that you contribute to most in society and think about and try to inform yourself and educate yourself on the way that you can be a conscious consumer. Um, furthermore, though, in our Internet age, I just do want to say that, you know, many of us who have access to computers, we have, you know, this change, the Internet just changes the entire picture. Um, And talking about uh, ignorance, it was would have been a very different conversation 50, you know, 50 years ago, even. This is Full Circle on 94.1 FM KPFA. We've been having an interesting conversation on the subject of ignorance with Dr. Martin Benjamin. When we return, we'll talk to Dr. Benjamin about rational ignorance, a little bit more about politics and things of the that such. Um, but first, a little story about a time that, for me, ignorance was indeed bliss. I grew up with a creek for a backyard, Sausal Creek in Oakland. Every year when it would start to rain, my family would have guests move in. It was me, my grandmother and grandfather, my mom, my brother and sister, and then there were our guests. The guy was named Mickey. He was fairly quiet, mostly kept to himself. He didn't eat too much of our food. As a matter of fact, he was mostly fine to just have our leftovers. Then there was his girlfriend, Minnie. She was a lot more skittish. You couldn't look her in the eye without her turning to scurry away with her tail tucked between her legs. And, uh, that's not a euphemism. I mean her literal tail. Most winters, we would get mice. I remember one time, I was about eight or nine, I went to grab a glass of orange juice at around 10.45 at night. And when I turned on the light in the kitchen, there I saw Mickey running figure eight patterns on the linoleum. I froze, not out of fear. I mean, I was a little afraid for sure, but... Mostly I was perplexed. How dare he have the audacity? I'm stopped from getting OJ out of fear of having a brush with death, or rather his fur, and here he's doing calisthenics in my kitchen. I watched him. I just stood there and watched him. It was hypnotizing. But after watching, I worked up a fierce thirst and remembered that I wanted orange juice. So I went to get my big brother Joshua to take care of old Mick. Joshua came down, fearless as always, but he was certainly just as hypnotized as I was. Two humans staring at a mouse and he just running around in our kitchen. But my brother Joshua and I were not selfish though, you know. We went to get our mom to come enjoy the show as well. So the three of us at 11 o'clock on a school night stood there watching a mouse run circles in our kitchen. 
Now after that, enough is enough and too much stinks. It's time to take care of this once and for all. My brother threw a bucket on top of him, slid a box lid underneath and scooped him up to throw him outside. Ever the voyeur though, I ran out to watch him. And ever the dirty, disgusting rodent, once my brother let him go, the mouse ran past me. But when he did, he scurried right into my leg before continuing on. I had lost all desire for orange juice because the grossest thing had just happened to me. A mouse touched me. So that's why when my girlfriend told me, JC, don't move, I think I just saw something on your floor, I paused in all obedience and froze right there in my one bedroom apartment where I live alone. Neither of us were sure of what she saw, but she knew that she saw something. I decided to just carry on with the night, but then, not five minutes later, she screamed, JC, he ran into your closet. Just a few weeks earlier, we had seen some mouse droppings, but I had just assumed they were crumbs and quite literally swept them away. I could no longer just assume that they were crumbs. Apparently, I had been living with my old friends Mickey and Minnie again for at least a month, and I had no idea. That night, when I went to sleep, I don't know if I could actually hear them, but I was convinced that I heard mice scurrying around behind my baseboards as I laid there in bed. My girlfriend made me aware, and I bought some traps. But I could have lived another month with them and never known and I'd have been just as happy. What a good for instance, JC. That was JC Howard's story of The Mouse. Here on Full Circle, on KPFA 94.1 FM, I'm Vika Aronson, and JC's my co-host as well. Tonight we're waxing philosophical for the whole hour. The topic of conversation is the truth about ignorance. And JC posits that ignorance is bliss. His story clearly illustrates that. Okay. But there are several sides to the conversation, and we're trying to examine all sides of this complicated puzzle. We're joined in studio by Professor Emeritus of Philosophy from Michigan State University and Mills College, Dr. Martin Benjamin. Thanks again, Martin, for joining us. Okay, glad to be here. So let's get back into our discussion um, by talking some more about the dangers of remaining ignorant. I talked before about how, to me, ignorance is dangerous, and I spoke a little bit uh, about um, about the, the effect that we have on the environment, actually, with an example I gave on fracking. Um, and so I, I wonder, what is your take um, about our responsibility, especially Americans living in um, the, the first world um, or, or the Western developed world? You know, what responsibility do we have to inform ourselves and not remain ignorant about our impact on the world? Well, I mean, let's take environmental impact and here I think we have a strong obligation. We didn't know for a long period of time the consequences of what we were doing in burning fossil fuels. Now the results are obvious and horrifying. It is contributing to climate change, which is going to lead to millions, if not billions, of deaths of people in poorer parts of the world. Uh, 
now that we know this, and there are still many people who deny knowledge of this, uh, we are responsible for acting on our knowledge. Here, if I could, could I bring up a topic that seems to me interesting yeah, in this regard? Please. And that's the topic of self-deception, mm. fooling ourselves. Yeah. There are many people who deceive themselves about the nature of climate change sure. because they don't want to acknowledge what they're going to have to do in the light right. of it. They don't want to change their ways. They don't want to change their consumption patterns. Yeah. They don't want to change their ways of life. So they try to remain willfully ignorant. So, yeah, so we talked a little bit about uh, forced ignorance in Iowa. Yeah. Now you're talking kind of a self-imposed ignorance. Self-imposed ignorance. Mm -hmm. And people do that because they don't want to face up to reality. Right. There was a great example before your time, anyway, <laughs> uh, because during the Watergate years of President Nixon. Sure. Nixon was doing lots of dirty things, and there was a committee designed to do dirty things. Mm -hmm. When they were being investigated, they were trying to, the Nixon people had to buy off, they had to buy silence from the Watergate burglars. Mm -hmm. The head of Nixon's treasury for his reelection campaign was a guy named Maurice Stans. So one time a guy came up to Stans and said, we got to pay this guy $35,000. What's it for? And Stan said this. This is a quote. I don't want to know, and you don't want to know. Mm, don't, <laughs> don't ask, don't know, tell. <laughs> and you don't want to know. Yep. To try to give themselves plausible, what they call now, plausible deniability. Right. Mm -hmm. Willful ignorance is a terrible thing. And it allows people to do horrible things including Nazism and a whole bunch of other things, sure. keeping oneself ignorant. Hitler's architect, Albert Speer, talked at great length during the Nuremberg hearings of his own mm -hmm. self-deception. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he said, I couldn't have done this without deceiving myself. But at some level, I knew what was going right. on. I, and self-deceivers always know mm. what they're doing because... That's why they ma maintain a pattern of keeping themselves ignorant. Right. So it is very important that we confront this and not let our, our lower desires keep us from learning things. The, the, can I just finish? Yes, this one? please. Yeah. There's a great quote from, I think, Upton Sinclair from his book, The Jungle. And he said, it's hard to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on not understanding it. Right. And that's exactly uh, kind of where, where I'm going with my next question is, um, I, I guess in light of all that, uh, the self-imposed ignorance, what do you think about the idea of rational ignorance? Um, if the cost mm -hmm. exceeds the benefit, is it reasonable to refrain from knowledge? Yeah, I think, I think there are cases just like the medical ones we talked about earlier. I refrain from knowledge about my PSA level. Mm -hmm. uh, people who have a chance of developing Huntington's chorea mm -hmm. refuse to take the genetic test, which will tell them whether they will yeah. develop it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 don't, I think sometimes yeah. 
remaining ignorant of things is is a rational undertaking. I don't want to know. <laughs> when my kids were teenagers, <laughs> I didn't always want to know what they were doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Um, I don't want to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What my parents' sex life was like. Exactly. That's that's <laughs> okay. a point a point a point that I brought up uh, just <laughs> earlier. Um but 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 and sorry, but I I I wanted to ask uh, kind of along those same lines cuz another point that I brought up earlier is kind of this this uh stuff around Bill Cosby, right? Like I mean, you know, wow. Cosby was a great comedian, um a great producer, a great writer, uh, quite a quite a philanthropist in a lot of ways. Uh, and I've noticed that a lot of television stations are stopping to play, stopping from playing reruns of the Cosby Show. Is it like the? For me, rational ignorance would say that the cost exceeds the benefits of of knowing about. Like, if if I can just sit and enjoy an old Cosby routine, it, shouldn't that be okay? That's good. That's a that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have I'm a Cosby not, fan. <laughs> I, well, I'm not a Cosby. I'm not a Cosby fan, but it. it it, it brings together these two things and whether or not you can separate them. I mean, it seems to me a similar thing is whether somebody like Pete Rose ought to be in the Hall right, of Fame. sure. I mean, was he a great one. baseball player? Yeah. Did he have all of these records? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, he did this. And so there's an ambivalence there. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't have a clean answer. Right. I, I feel, I feel, right. I don't think you can take either position and be entirely comfortable. Well, I think also the rational ignorance theory, not that I am a proponent of this theory. You know my position on ignorance. I've made it clear (laughs) so far. But, um, you know, I I am familiar with the rational ignorance theory, and I think it is also used uh, to describe people. It's used in economics, um, but also in the way that economics intersect with politics. So it actually explains how people make their electoral decisions often. So the, the idea is that, if the the cost of digging and researching every detail there is to know about Hillary Clinton, about Donald Trump, um, about uh, our various uh, our, our various people running for president now, the cost of doing that outweighs the benefit in some cases. And I think especially if I was going to support this argument, I might suggest um, <laughs> that, you know, con- considering how powerless the the electorate feels in making these political decisions, they that at least our perception is that the cost highly outweighs the benefit there. Mm-hmm. It is a it's a very high cost to try to 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 dig in and research um, every politician and on every issue on every matter. Yeah. Uh, so Dr. What, Benjamin, yeah, could you talk about the cost of uh, staying informed about everything from the collegiate misconduct of a president or a potential president to the marital fidelity of a movie star or a, like a, should yeah. we be concerned with these kinds of things? Uh, I think we should be more concerned about presidential candidates than movie stars. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so on. Yeah. And, but, and what about the cost of obtaining well, that I information? Think, I think that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, there's the limits of the 24-hour day. Right. <laughs> and a lot of us, we got to work. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. so, so the, it's, you can't know everything. Right. And so you've got to make a decision as to what does, and I put it this way, what does responsible citizenship require? Yeah. I think it requires trying to find out about some things with momentous consequences. But, gee, sometimes you just want to go to the ballgame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Right, right, and, right. And so yeah. you can't 
always be doing. I could spend every waking hour yeah. trying to find out stuff that might be relevant to decisions I make, but uh, I want to have a life too. Yeah. So all of us have to uh, make trade-offs yeah. mm-hmm. in this regard. I think most more people ought to be spending more time trying to find out more stuff right. mm. than they do right. and mm-hmm. less time playing with their gadgets right. and and stuff like that. But some measure of ignorance is appropriate. Well, it's unavoidable. Yeah. Yeah. Unavoidable. <laughs> unavoidable. Yeah, right. And it, plus we don't know what we don't know kind of thing. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, That's how, right. how, but, do you, how do you know where to start with something? But, but there, one thing we ought to do then is have some humility about mm. the limits of our knowledge mm. and recognize that and and not claim to know what we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. So all of this talk about responsibility and complicity makes me wonder what is the difference between our responsibility around ignorance personally versus the the good the common good? or the greater good. For instance, ignoring how many calories in in a chocolate cake isn't the same as the ethics of humane food like we talked about Mm -hmm. before. And concern with whether Toronto Mayor Rob Ford does drugs is not the same as my ignorance about um, Bashar al-Assad's crimes against humanity in Syria. So there is this there is this dichotomy or this, you know, this difference between what is good for me versus the greater good. So how do I prioritize ignorance around those issues? Oh, I don't have a, a general answer to that question. Here again, we got to make trade-offs and balances. Mm-hmm. But I do think civic responsibility is very important. Right. And we need a lot more of it because as the world becomes more interconnected, and our institutions become more complex, the consequences of our actions as individuals go wider. Right. We are responsible for things that we would not have been responsible mm. for a hundred years ago. Right. A thousand years ago. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So again, with knowledge comes responsibility. Right. Uh, is there anything else you want to share about the idea of ignorance? Mm, no, just that I'm ignorant about a lot of stuff. <laughs> but I have learned a lot from you two. Yeah, and, uh, well, greatly enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, and, yeah. and we from you. Um, people who listen to interviews that I do, I do them often here on Full Circle as well as uh, the Cut Down Podcast, the weekly news and current events podcast. Uh, I like to ask a surprise question. So can I can I ask you this surprise question, Dr. Benjamin? Yeah. Okay. I started off arguing that ignorance is bliss. Um, but I want to know what you think of Miss Bliss. That is, uh, not many people know that the 90s television show Saved by the Bell was originally called Good Morning Miss Bliss. Oh. So, Saved by the Bell is one of my favorite shows from my youth. Uh, Dr. Benjamin, what is your favorite classic television show? Going back to my youth? Going back to your youth, however long, ba- how, okay. however far I'll back go you want to go, however soon you want to go. Well, I'd say... Alfred Hitchcock Presents, <laughs> which you, do you know about that? Yes, absolutely. You, those half-hour shows? Yes, yeah, yeah. You can still get them, a lot of them yeah. uh, on uh, Netflix streaming. Yeah, Really? On Netflix? Netflix streaming. My, my mom, when she would see the silhouette of Al- Alfred Hitchcock at the beginning, she would mm-hmm. see that silhouette, and she thought it looked just like her cousin Wanda. So <laughs> she would... 
every time it would come <laughs> on, she would say Wanda right on. The, so that's oh, that's that's a, that's a really great choice. Good, Were good they one. little horror TV shows? Well, not horror. They were little crime things, little kind of mini film noirs. Yeah. yeah. And some of them are still with me. Yeah. And wow. I remember the shock and the, the kind of sh- shock surprise endings. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for teaching us a ton about <laughs> ignorance and the world and Alfred Hitchcock yeah. presents. That's amazing. <laughs> That's really great. We've been speaking with Dr. Martin Benjamin, Professor Emeritus of Philosophy from Michigan State University and Mills College in Oakland about the nature of ignorance and what service or disservice it does to our lives and society. Uh, Dr. Benjamin, we really want to thank you a lot for joining us and speaking with us this evening. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. So it'll come as no surprise to you big public radio fans out there that JC and I are both huge fans of KLW-based program Philosophy Talk, and we were largely inspired by Philosophy Talk to do this show. And in true Philosophy Talk fashion, we got our own Full Circle co-producer, Josiah Luis, to do a 60-second philosopher segment for us, just like they have on Philosophy Talk. So here comes Josiah Luis with the last word on ignorance and knowledge. So tonight, we heard two different opinions. Ignorance is bliss and knowledge is power. But regardless of whose side you take, I'm sure that you will agree that all knowledge costs you something. And all the old myths and stories, when the god hero goes to acquire knowledge, it always costs him something. Odin traded his eye to be able to drink from the well of wisdom. Prometheus gets his guts torn out of him on a daily basis for stealing the knowledge of fire from us. Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden for partaking on the tree of knowledge. And poor old crow got his feathers burned black forever by bringing the fire of knowledge to man. Our various myths and stories are filled with examples like these ones, basically saying to us, knowledge costs. You will acquire this wisdom, but it will cost you something. Ouch! I mean, in this day and age, who out there is willing to exchange, say, a body part, an eyeball, an eternal soul for knowledge? Well, no worries. We don't even need to go that far. After all, we live in a high-tech day and age where knowledge is supposedly available to all. It's all out there, online, in the clouds, streaming into all your high-tech orifices as we speak. But the flip side to that is that with all this knowledge just lying around for the taking, now nobody really wants to bother with it. Not in its entirety anyway. We have evolved into a mega culture of references, high-tech cliff notes, and sound bites. The knowledge of the ages is out there, but now we just let it lie there. While we read a couple of lines, maybe the first paragraph, then off we go to a blog that talks about what we were just reading about. Maybe we hashtag it or search YouTube for videos about it. We are a United States of references, talking heads who know all kinds of podcasts and have read lots of other people's opinions and seen what they said on Facebook. But the truth is, we just haven't read the material. Why, after all? Why should we? Now, what's the rush? The knowledge is just out there, no longer guarded by dragons or talking snakes or vengeful fire. Now it's just there in every link, hashtagged all the heck, chatted about by people from all over the world who will never meet each other in person and will most definitely eventually come to both of these conclusions. Ignorance is bliss, knowledge is power, and the quest for wisdom and knowledge and intelligence, we have fought and died and suffered for it. So looked at it kind of like this, knowledge is power, all right, but it sure hurts getting it. So looked at it along those lines, ignorance is bliss. It's not such a bad idea, since not acquiring said knowledge means that you also won't be suffering said pain for acquiring that knowledge. So JC and Vika, I hate to break it to you, but you're both right. Yo soy Josiah Luis with Full Circle. Thanks for that, Josiah Luis. An outstanding Ian Schultz impression, if you ask me. Before we sign off, we want to let everyone know that the apprenticeship program that Vika and I are both a part of that allows us to be on the air every Friday night and produce crazy free speech creative radio like this is now recruiting. 
Indeed. Check out our website at kpfaapprentice.org. You can listen to past shows, see what we're all about, download the application, fill it out, and the and you can email it, snail mail it, or drop it off here at the station. Instructions are online. Again, that website is kpfaapprentice.org. And the, the last day to apply is Friday, February 12th. But we sure do like our early applicants. So apply now, apply early, and be popular among us in the apprenticeship office. That's absolutely right. Also, next week on Full Circle, Josiah Luis, who you just heard is our 60-second philosopher, he hosts the Spanglish Power Hour. He'll have special guests, uh, Son de la Bahia, playing live in the studio, and master of the Son Jorocho tambourine, Evaristo Varo Silva, who will also be hosting an instrument-making workshop all of next weekend. The entire weekend he'll be hosting that workshop. Uh, so tune in more, or, sorry, I should say, tune in next week for more on that. That's it for, for Full Circle tonight. Thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in. We've had a lot of fun here on KPFA 94.1 FM. Our executive producer is Miss Mickey Mays. Our technical director is the one and only Free Will and Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. Our opening theme was produced by Source of Labor. We've been your hosts, Vika Aronson. And I'm JC. Big thanks to Junior Jackson manning the board tonight. And we've got Lee Bob Watson with Let the Hate In, I Won't, playing us out. Thank you for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Stay tuned. La Onda Baita is next. For Vika, I'm JC, and that just happened. Let the-